It's the Theonauts, episode 184. The one where we record in different rooms, and that's actually a good thing. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo social distancers out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are, hang on, together we are the, the Theo did I do that right? No, it didn't work very well at all. But oh, well. you're at a disadvantage. <laughs> very much so. And by the way, I didn't realize how long that intro actually is. When you have to sit <laughs> silently and not hear it, yeah, it's a very long intro. Yeah, so today, Jeremiah can't hear the stingers because we had a meltdown in the studio. Our soundboard <laughs> went kaput. And so we're up at uh, the way... Uh, church building using the sound equipment up here so so the recording forgive us uh if it doesn't sound pristine also we're still working on that whole distance thing with me being in oklahoma city and david being in good old savoy yeah and so uh we're figuring (laughs) it out but hey you know we uh we've at least been faithful for about the past month to record at least every other week and yeah that's why uh, jeremiah sounds like he's in a trash can again yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's normal. So today <laughs> we've got a special guest. I got Michael Armantrout with us. He's a registered Woo! nurse. Hey, hello. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Among other things, yes. Michael Armantrout <laughs> is. So I used to think that David Gaddy was the most interesting man in the world, and then I met Michael Armantrout. <laughs> uh, no, uh, he blew me away. He yeah. has so stories it's insane so some people say it's eclect being eclectic but i think it's just that i couldn't keep a job (laughs) (laughs) well i think we ought to do a podcast like a sister podcast called the life of michael and just walk (laughs) through his life scary and discover some pretty awesome things so i'm excited you're on the podcast today brother thank you it's good to be here yeah so yeah we we have this uh this thing it's like We'll be talking about something, and Michael will say, "Oh yeah, back in 1975, I did that for a living for <laughs> such and such." <laughs> it's like, wow, that's incredible, man! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> greatness. Now, when did you get from Disney World to <laughs> yeah, mountain to, to Maine? Oh man! So Michael, <laughs> Michael's been part of the way now for how many years? A couple, couple of years now, and so. Uh, uh, he's very, a, very thankful for it too. Valuable asset in our congregation. We love him to death. That's right, brother. And right now he is he is actually in his um, element with this whole COVID thing that's going on. Yeah. Well, I've been doing a lot of uh, community health lately since uh, my background and experience as a as a nurse for thirty years was in ICU and in ICU, NICU and adult ICU. And then uh, into community health, and so that's uh, it's like, wow! Watching this thing blow up is uh, 
is a first scary and then, but then in, in a lot of ways, very predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been very good having you around and, and being uh, a source of information for us. Um, so, so I, have, I haven't heard a lot of the, the information from you because I'm in Savoy. What do you think the future is going to look like? Not to put you on the spot, but where do you think we're going as a country? Oh, wow. That's a tough this, one because we're not anywhere. Right yeah, right we're not anywhere near, near peaking yet. <clears throat> and, uh, um, you know, Italy, Italy's uh, about two or three weeks ahead of us, and uh, India is about two or three weeks behind us. So um, it, it's kind of a ripple effect, and um, it, it all depends on how, on, on how you uh, anticipate the peak. Because, uh, you know, weeks ago we talked about flattening that curve, and everybody kind of looked at you like, flatten the curve? What does that mean? But, <laughs> now but, it's a part of everyday lingo. Yeah, like, and, I was, <laughs> and I was going, uh, believe me, this is important. Uh, you got to do everything you can to – because – Testing is key, and uh, because of, of knowing where the boy, this is such a segue biblically to talk about testing because it was all about taking your problem to the priest so he could identify what the what the what the defect or illness was. <laughs> that's good. You know, yeah. I mean, every time I see that, I think about that because te- that's what testing was, and and at the time they were only testing those who had symptoms, but. Uh, um, huh. when we, uh, when we start looking at, uh, getting a little more accurate data so that we can, <clears throat> we're such a, we're such an open com- uh, country and, uh, yeah. and, and such free borders and, and, uh, and used to having freedom of movement yeah, we're that, other, that other countries don't have. Right. So it's, uh, <clears throat> so it, it's going to skew our figures. It's going to get, uh, it, it's, <laughs> I never did put that graph on the board that talked about, uh, how high those those mortality figures were going to go, but but I did say that if we practice social distancing, those uh, mortality rates would stay around one to one and a half percent. And I've watched it every day in the U.S. It's staying right around one and a half to one point six, one point seven percent. So yeah. wow, so that's positive. That is a, a positive. It's it shows that the social distancing is working. Yeah. So Jeremiah, how have you been surviving in quarantine up there in OKC? Well, uh, it's kind of crazy. My job is, uh, according to the government, really non-essential. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a youth pastor, right? And so uh, it is, it's affected me differently than I think it affects a lot of other people, simply because my job is actually all about relationships and uh, discipleship, right, and mentoring. And so not having that one-on-one stuff has been it's been tough. We as we as pastors and you guys are right along in that have had to learn a whole new way of really communicating uh, with your with your parishioners. And so, um, you know, I do a Zoom meeting once a week. Right now, we're walking through uh, the Chosen, which, by the way, I should have watched a long time ago. It's probably <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I I would say it it is in my summation the best the best hands down Jesus media out there period better yes. than for me. It's better than passion of the Christ. It's better than all the other stuff. Yeah. Combined. I I, it's just, it, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Well, well so, made. It's, it's, it's high art. It's really good. It's, it's not yeah. your typical Christian media. <laughs> no. And it gets my students to thinking a lot. And so 
we're doing a Sunday night uh, Zoom meeting after we watch the you know the episode, and that's working out really well. Uh, we're we're learning how to reach a big audience with our streaming um, on Sunday mornings, and so I'm doing a lot of that. And then I'm hanging out with Blakely and Christina. <laughs> that's pretty much my life right oh, that's now. That's a blessing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, I, you know, um, we haven't run out of groceries. We're really blessed. God's taking care of us. And it, in the city, I think it's a little bit different than it is in the country. I don't know um, how y'all are. But in the city, if you do go out of your home, people look, look at you pretty shiftily right now. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? It's, so, it's not quite that bad here in North Texas. It's like everyone is is just like out and doing their own thing, and it's, but people kind of weird. People aren't quite as as paranoid, I think, in the country. I don't know. I think you know my my biggest concern right now is how's it going to look through summer, uh, especially because my biggest event of the year is summer camp for youth, right? Mm-hmm. So Falls Creek. I'm wondering if that's going to be effective. If they're going to cancel it. Um, we got some I'm, weddings coming up. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some interesting stuff about that one too. Yeah. So me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how it's going to go, but uh, yeah, I was supposed to do a wedding in June, right? And so you know, God's God's got His own plan, and we're gonna we're gonna do what we can. Yep. Around. It. So, anyways. All right. Well. Well, things are going pretty good here, considering Um, we're dealing with the same thing, obviously. Um, The way is not meeting corporately right now, uh, at least in person. And we are doing webinar uh, service, which seems to be working out okay. I've gotten positive things from that. Um, We are doing a couple of Zoom meetings a week. We're also walking through the Chosen. Um, So it's, it's been... Uh, some blessing and a curse type of thing, you know. I mean, I'm really missing the connection. I'm really missing that personal sure. thing. Amen. But well, you, I mean, yeah, it, it's got to be kill. I, I was thinking about you the other day. It's got to be killing you because oh, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> personal person, and you know, having that, having that close. Yes, when this stuff. quarantine is lifted, I'm just gonna walk around and I'm just gonna hug everybody I see. Like as soon as I see you on the street. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a big old bear hug. So you just better watch out. It's going to happen. Nice. <laughs> I'm missing <laughs> that tactile contact. Like it is driving me crazy. And it's almost worse to see people at that six foot distance because I'm like, uh, I want to step into that bubble. Like <laughs> so close, so close, so close, so but away. so far. And it's, so it's really uh, hard. It's really hard for me. But so you better watch out, Michael, whenever he gets uh, free from the social distance. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that wet, sloppy kiss. But. <laughs> yeah. Everybody better watch out. The wet, sloppy kiss is coming back. <laughs> so anyway, are you all ready to dive into this conversation? Hey, bring it on. All yeah. Right. All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, the timely um, conversation about social distancing. And we want to look at, uh, is social distancing a biblical 
thing. And this is, <laughs> we're just one of probably hundreds or maybe even yeah. thousands of podcasts that are probably talking about it right now. Um, right. I found two or three YouTube videos <laughs> where, where guys were expounding uh, on it. And, uh, and so I wanted to, um, to kick off the conversation with the, with one of the arguments that's been popping up about social distancing, because there's this, there tends to be uh, Christians who are uh, completely jumping on board and uh, backing the concept of social distancing. But then there's also a lot of Christians that are, uh, if they're accepting it, they're accepting it reluctantly. And, and actually, um, um, call, calling it fear, calling it, um, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. We should be trusting God. We should just stay together. We should just do our thing and not worry about it. Um, and one of the verses that, that generally comes up in this is Hebrews 10 and 26, or not not 26. Sorry, that's the one we talked about last week. Um, what is it? Uh, Hebrews 10 and... I can quote it for you. I don't know the yes. address. Uh, not forsaking the assembling of the saints together. Hang on. Not the assembling of the saints. Yeah, it says right there in the Bible. That's a command. Um, why am I? Why can't I find it? That's like the. Where is it? Um, okay, there it is. Verse, verse 10 and 25. You can see a lot of people quote this verse so much that uh, they would have, they're probably shaming us for not knowing what it is. But right. most people quote it out of context without an understanding of what it's actually even saying. So in the yep. verse that I'm talking about is, um, um, let's jump up to 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I've always heard that verse used as a commandment to go to church. Is that what it means? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> because there's a problem when you say go to church to begin with. <laughs> Very much so. Right. Please elaborate. No. <laughs> uh, in fact, it's really cool. Uh, so a little bit ago, I was meeting with a couple of my students. We were in the in the gym playing basketball, and then we started playing Uno. And one of them said to the other, "They were he was cheating." And one of them said to the other, "You're cheating in the church." And the other one said, "I can't cheat in the church. That's not a possibility." <laughs> and I'm like, "You're awesome. I'm so proud of you because we are the church. There is no place that's the church." And so whenever you say that you're not following that command because you're not going to church, my answer is you can't go to church. You can be the church or you can't be the church, but that's not what that command implies. Yes. It's going to a Sunday service. Right. In fact, at the time they were writing this, they didn't go to Sunday service. <laughs> Yes, this so is. That to begin with. <laughs> this is not referring to making sure you're walking in the doors whenever uh, the church bell rings. This is uh, the main. The main context of this is uh, being 
together to help one another, to support one another, to strengthen one another through bad times. And, um, and so when it's saying not to neglect meeting together, the, the, I started to say Hebrew, the Greek underneath that is, is a, it implies a permanence. It's not talking about, uh, uh, you know, well, you missed a Sunday. Oh, shame on you. It's saying, don't make it a practice to not be together like in general, like don't, don't do that. Like this is about um, camaraderie and fellowship and, uh, and being so, together. So the key word is neglect. Yes. <laughs> and I know what happens to my yard when I neglect it in the summer. <laughs> Absolutely. It gets, start can't even run the mower anymore. Yeah. There you go. And so, in fact, one of the things that, that bothers me is hearing Christians actually tearing down other Christians who aren't meeting. And saying, you know, Hebrews ten twenty five, and um, to me that is less Christian than you actually showing up at a meeting. Like you should not be tearing down your brothers for doing something that they feel like is safe, and as we're going to kind of look at here, something that is actually practiced in uh, the Old Testament and uh, commanded, in fact, by God in certain situations. So, yeah. My argument is this, you know, and especially in 21st century America, <clears throat> uh, we meet together in so many different ways. I'm I'm in Oklahoma City right now. You're in Savoy, and we are assembling together. True, right? true. And that's 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 the point. We're we're having fellowship. We're communicating. We're uh, discipling one another, and we're growing um, together in Christ which is the whole message behind chapter 10 of Hebrews. The sad thing is, is so many, you know, um, I heard about that pastor in Florida who actually got arrested. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah. Uh, guy gets arrested because he refuses to obey these orders and, you know, bases it off of this and goes, you know, we're, I'm being religiously persecuted. No, you're being an idiot. <laughs> you're, you are, uh, you're putting your sheep in harm's way. You're hurting them um, by meeting together. And you're not obeying this command at all. You know, when we take it and we make it about an hour on Sunday morning, we totally destroy the context of the scripture. And so, you know, it's not about our Sunday morning service. Right. That's not it. <clears throat> yeah. You know, so. And, and to actually to hold to it from that standpoint is actually a legalism. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're not even, but let's go back and look at some of the uh, scriptures that, um, that support uh, quarantining ourselves and, and others that uh, for the safety of the congregations there, this is like something that dates way back to the days of Moses uh, 1650 BC, something like that. Um, so, um, 3,500 years ago. Yes. Quite a while, quite a while back. And, uh, and I think there's some really amazing things. So there was quarantining all the way back 3,500 years ago. Well, they were, nobody else was. <laughs> and that's the key. Yes. God's yeah. people, God's people were doing it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of right. The opposite in this current situation. The churches are kind of the last ones to close the doors. And, right. uh, and we've actually seen 
some churches being problematic in the spread of these viruses. Oh, the choir practice. The 60 members attended choir practice and, uh, what, 25 came up immediately, tested positive for COVID. And, positive they, for and they didn't touch each other. They did not touch each other. Mm. Yeah. Well, they're saying it's like it can live up to six feet. You know what I mean? Or something like that. What, what is it? No, it lives up to six days well, on your it, shoes. It, it, it turns out that singing is as bad as coughing, apparently. Yes, it is. <laughs> Well, that makes sense. Talking, singing. And singing is probably... I've seen some people sing where I'd rather listen to them sneeze. <laughs> oh, uh, isn't, isn't David your worship leader? Yeah. <laughs> but we miss you. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, but the, the key to that is that... Uh, you know, the, we're, and we're not calling to go back under the Old Testament or the Old Testament regulations. No, no, but no. it's interesting. But it's interesting to note that uh, though the though the the Bible and especially the Pentateuch was uh, was not a book on epidemiology, and it was not a book, uh, not a medical book at all. But but God was faced with a, a very peculiar problem with one and a half million to two million slaves. I mean, none of them had medical experience Correct. or understanding. And Moses didn't either originally, according to his education uh, among the Egyptians. But uh, God had, some, had to have some way to preserve them, to keep them from all dying off. It was natural <laughs> that some would murder one another and some would die from accidents, you know, fall and trip in a hole. Right. And, and that some would get run over by carts. And, and that was inevitable. And there's, there's even regulations to deal with that. But what, what he could control, what God could control, was something that was going to decimate them. And that was some, some uh, pathogen getting loose among one and a half million people who, who were in very close proximity to one another. Mm -hmm. And he was very clear, even though it's not a book on epidemiology, he was very clear through Moses to give them what they needed to protect them. Can I read Exodus, that, yeah. that, that verse from Exodus? Sure, jump out. Sure. Exodus 15, verse 26. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, yeah. at first glance, that <clears throat> looks like, oh, all we got to do is trust the Lord. And he heals us. And, yeah. and, and none of this stuff will ever hit us. And then, as soon as he gets through saying that, he gives them four more books, or three more books, loaded <laughs> loaded with instructions on this, oh, yeah. this is how you protect yourself. Yeah. This is how you protect yourself from leprosy. This is how you protect yourself from sexually transmitted diseases. This is how you protect yourself from open oozing wounds. This is how you protect yeah. I mean, you name it, Infection. it's all in there. And just think about that. They're, they're wandering through the desert. There's all kinds of places where they're going to injure themselves and get infected. Right. And so it's like God is, through these commands, and notice what he says, if you... Obey my, listen to my commands. If you heed to my commands, then I will keep the diseases from you. Well, what are those commands? Those commands were actually geared toward preventing infection, preventing the spread of pathogens right. and germs and things of this nature. Distancing, uh, quarantine, isolation, and separation. All of those things were built into the law of Moses to help keep one and a half million people who didn't know, you know, sometimes we wonder if they knew their left hand from their right. <laughs> right. And, and God had to keep them all alive. <laughs> wow. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's interesting you mentioned 
uh, Egypt, because again, this is 3,400 years ago, right? Right. So you're mentioning that they, they come out of Egypt and God gives them that. So what were the, what were the medical practices they were coming out of? You, you hit on this on Sunday and I, I kind of want to look at that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, really have you, have you, have you looked into that about the, well, the uh, Hebrews, the Hebrews, uh, uh, papyrus the is the one is like the go-to papyrus that the medical document right yeah now we got robot jeremiah reading of that as it's a pretty 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 incredible basically they they pretty much believe that everything was well like like every other um culture i believe at this time um they were they were deeply uh religious and and they believed in uh, spirits, right? right. So demon, demonology mm. mixed in with their uh, medical practices. In fact, you wouldn't go see a physician. You would go see a priest if you were sick, you know. And uh, and so the, then they had this crazy idea of basically your body is full of all these chambers and some of them can house demons in them. And so the heart is the center and then everything flows out of that that sensor, which I mean, is kind of not off. You kind of look at a circular system, right. Um, of the blood, uh, but then they, they give crazy ideas about how to go about curing these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you mentioned, so yeah, like bat wings it, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the pink eye was, had to have been the win, the, the big winner, though, the how <laughs> to cure pink that, eye. Describe that again. Oh, I gotta yeah. hear this. Okay. Pink eye, the way you treat pink eye, which is conjunctivitis. Okay. We know that it's caused by bacterium and, oh, uh, yeah. And so, uh, and, and I have to say this because there's a qualifier in here too, that, uh, normal urine is, uh, is supposed to be sterile. Okay. Right. Uh, but but not always. <clears throat> anyway, their treatment for pink eye was the urine from a faithful wife. Now, <laughs> the problem with that is, of course, that you drink gonna, it or you put it on your you eye. Put it in the eye, and so <laughs> it's like uh, I'm going to need you for a second, baby. Yeah, come on over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. the The problem with that, of course, is that there were probably a lot of women that were faithful wives that ended up burned at the stake because it didn't clear up in seven days. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but they used they used uh, donkey dung, uh, bat wings. Right. There was a lot of superstition that was involved in it. They believed that infection. The best way to cure infection was to uh, was to rub dung in it and and create pus because when there was pus coming out, it showed that the that evil the evil spirit was flowing out of the body. And right. that, did you know that was believed all the way up until the 17th century? That was practiced. Yeah. Sure, the, the humors. The yeah, I was just thinking about that. So, like in the in the in the dark ages, they believed in different humors, right? Right. In different, uh, and so they would try to bleed out the bad humors and put in the good humors, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was just, it was really checked up. Nobody understood anything about well, medicine. Well, and, and modern medicine was a thing. It's funny that, um, like, the ancient Egyptians going into weird things like this to in order to, what they thought would heal it. And then there's also this concept of miasma, which is a which is an old old ancient understanding uh, or belief in how these diseases are transmitted. And uh, miasma was the concept that the air itself was poisoned, or uh, it wasn't that they saw germs flying through the air. I mean, it wasn't like an airborne virus that they were describing. They were describing almost like an aura 
around people um, and a bad aura it would cause it and so like during the dark ages whenever you had the plague uh happening in the bubonic plague and you had these plague doctors and you'll recognize them you know in art and whatever they're the ones with the big bird beak uh masks that they would wear well the the, although there's some superstition there too because they believe that the birds were the were the carriers uh, of it and so therefore they thought okay well if i as the doctor wear this thing that looks like a bird it will somehow uh transmit it or or cause it to go away and then they also used that bird mask as a blocking device to block the miasma because they were dealing with all these dead bodies so in in effect they were actually onto something but not the right thing uh, they would just pack the beak with rose petals and things like that to to <laughs> to give a good miasma or a good air. Right. So anyway, all these things are just wrong thinking. And but Moses doesn't go down this path, even mm. though he was. And that was his background. Yes, even though he was raised an Egyptian. Yes, right? and the educated according to the Book of Acts, educated into the highest level of edu- Egyptian learning of that of his day. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, which, is, which is pretty incredible, and yet, and then you have. So, where did he come up with this? <laughs> you have starting really around Leviticus eleven through through on some pretty crazy practices, and that's created mostly anything unclean you socially distance from. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which so, is pretty crazy. So yeah, there's there's two terms that the Old Testament uses for uh, for this type of thing, uh, tehor, which means clean or pure, and then tameh, which means unclean or unpure. And so all throughout this, you hear them saying uh, clean and unclean, pure and impure. You'll, you'll see those terms used. <laughs> all over the place and there's a lot going we've talked to you even on the show before about um um what their names my mind's gone blank all of a sudden the the two boys of aaron's who died in the um um nadab and abihu Abihu, thank you and about how some people believe that it was their disobedience that got them killed wrong it was their uncleanness that got them killed and so um clean and unclean were a big uh, thing and so in through all this there's three things that make you unclean uh, throughout the scriptures there's touching a corpse yep, yep. if you touch a, a corpse you have to undergo a seven-day quarantine uh, and that's in numbers and that that actually uh, even if you're in a battle and you are around corpses in that battle the soldiers would have to come back they'd have to quarantine for seven days bodily emissions right. whether good ones or bad ones <laughs> Or, you know, whatever, if, if, if things are coming out of your genitalia, you're going to have to go into quarantine. <laughs> right. So uh, that, that was... Um, Bloodborne pathogens and sexually transmitted diseases. I mean, it's modern <clears throat> medicine. Yes. 3,500 years ago. Yeah. You know, the whole idea, that whole idea. And for a long time, when I read all those passages back in the, uh, in the Law of Moses that talked about dead people and clean and unclean, yeah. the more I learned about... When I worked in the, when I was in the operating room working with phys, operating room physicians, and I was a, I was called, I worked as a scrub nurse, okay, mm. and we learned all about aseptic technique and sterile technique, and really, it's all about clean and unclean. 
Yeah. And when you touch something that's unclean, you got to go through the scrub again. You got to change clean gloves. Yourself. Yes. You got to purify. So, yes, you have to purify. <laughs> and so, so all of all of a sudden, as I as I practice this, the lights began to come on about the Old Testament. I'm going to wait a second. Moses was, God was talking through Moses to teach aseptic technique and and sterile technique all along, like the dead person. Yeah. I thought there was something mystical about somebody being dead, okay? Yeah. When in fact, all it is, is God's trying to tell them, listen, when you see a dead person, you don't know why it killed him. You don't know why he died. It yeah. might be something that killed you too. Correct. <laughs> okay, so get away from him. Go through your quarantine, and when it's not done, then go through the system of purification. So, and uh, everything that's in the house where the dead person is, remember from Leviticus, right? If it's mm-hmm. an open jar, out it goes. If it's a closed jar, then it has to be purified. So, all of these laws in Leviticus that talk about dead people and and uh, and purifying is 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 really practiced today liberally. Uh, in aseptic and sterile technique yeah. in, in the hospitals in order to separate, quarantine, isolate, and eliminate the possibility of, of uh, infections. Right. So, yeah, and, and dead people's one of them. Yeah. So you got dead people, you got bodily emissions. The third thing that can make you uh, quarantine is the Hebrew word is, that is used is zarat. Zarat is translated in our good old King James as leprosy right. every time. However, it's not limited to leprosy. No. It's 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 basically means any disease of the skin. Any disease of the skin. Right. Anything that would make you um, uh, that would be a visible uh, blemish. Right. You immediately you went into quarantine for at least seven days until things could be determined, and then an additional seven days if it couldn't accurately be determined by the priest. You go Correct. into an additional seven days for a total of four. And there's, and there's even details in there about how they determine whether or not it's really leprosy, like whether or not it's right. communicable. Right. Or, is it a white spot? Is the hair that comes out of it white or is it dark? Yeah. You know, is it really the spot or is it, is it subdural or is it epidural? Right. And is it the outside of the skin or is it all the way down into the subsurface tissues? And we've got examples of people who went into quarantine for this and came out of it. Yes. We've got examples of people who went into quarantine for this and never came out of it. A good example is Miriam. Miriam was punished with leprosy, the Surat. We don't know if, if it was actually leprosy, but it was a Surat. She was made, her skin became as snow. She went into a quarantine for seven days, did the ritual purification, uh, came out of it, and joined the, the camp again. However, we move forward, we get to, the, to King Uzziah, uh, who disobeyed God, made a sacrifice in the temple when he shouldn't have, and he was stricken with leprosy, uh, Sarat. And he On went his to, forehead, yeah. yeah. He went to quarantine, never came out. Right. Stayed in there the rest of his life. Lived in a Lazar house. Yes. And again, there's so many different types of this, <clears throat> this leprosy, quote-unquote, uh, and, and it's pretty amazing how detailed Leviticus gets into it. For example, one of the, one of the things I loved, I pulled out from Leviticus 13, in verse, starting in verse 40. If a man loses the hair on his head, he is bald, but he is clean. Or if he loses the hair on his hairline, he is bald on his forehead, but he is clean. But if there is a reddish-white condition on the bald head or forehead, it is a serious skin disease breaking out on his head and forehead. 
The priest is to examine him. If the swelling on the condition on his bald head or forehead is reddish white, like the appearance of a serious skin disease on his body, the man is afflicted with a serious skin disease. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. The infection is on his head. Right. So, I mean... What, what chapter in Leviticus was that? This is 13. Yeah. Well, of course, 14 is the one that's, that's cool because that's the one where the guy comes back in. He's going to be declared clean, right? Right. And he's told to shave all his hair off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. I thought that was weird. Years ago when I first read it, I thought, why are they making him shave? And then he goes seven more days, and then he has to shave everything, including his eyebrows and eyelashes and Everything has to be shaved off. And then, I, then when I became a nurse and I started doing a, a skin assessments, I understood it. You can't see under that hair, Jeremiah. I see your head of hair and your beard. You no telling what's under there. And so, but when you shave it off, the priest gets a good look at every square inch of your skin. And that's, and that's, and that's why the instructions. Is it spreading? Yeah, they're checking to see, is he really clean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, and it goes so far as to talk about contaminated fabrics. I don't know if right. you said that, but, you know, what what can be contaminated, what cannot be? And it's, I mean, it is so descriptive. Uh, if a fabric is contaminated with mildew and wool or linen fabric in the warp or the weft, uh, weft of the linen or wool or in leather or anything made of leather, and if the contamination is green or red in the fabric, the leather, the warp, the weft, or any of the leather article it is a mildew contamination is to be shown to a priest. Priests examine the constant, uh, con, uh, sorry, contamination and quarantine the contaminated fabric for seven days. Right. Right. The priest is to re-examine the contamination on the seventh day. If it is spread in the fabric, the warp, the weft, or the leather, regardless of how it is used, the contamination is harmful mildew. It is unclean. He is to burn the fabric, the warp and weft and uh, wool linen. Or any leather article which is contaminated, since it is harmful mildew, it must be burned. I mean, who else was doing this? Nobody. Respiratory disease. In fact, we're just now, you know, I'm, what was it, 10 years ago, we started being able to buy kits at uh, Home Depot to check for black mold in your house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because because everybody started coming down with respiratory issues and, uh, and um, um, allergic issues that uh, that were responsive to, to mold, especially black mold. And here, <laughs> here 3,500 years ago, Moses is saying, okay, this is how you check for mold, okay? Well, and the people are going, mold, you know, I don't even scrape mold off my bread before I eat it. Why would I worry exactly. about it? And say, so, yeah. So it's like, yeah, that makes me think of this. Hang on a second. Um, there is this, um, there's this point that I, I, I wanted to make too about, um, exactly what you're saying about Moses having this information long before, like, like we're not figuring it out. We're not getting the clue. Right. Um, but, but you know, there's a, a passage in numbers 19 verse nine. It says, and a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp That's in a, a red heifer in a clean place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they shall be kept for the water for impurity for the congregation of the people of Israel, it is a sin offering. And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And this shall be perpetual statute for the people of Israel and for the stranger who sojourns with them and whoever touches a dead body and any person. So it goes into that whole thing again. 
Um, did I miss the part? Oh, I missed the part about the... The red, the scarlet. Yeah, yeah, okay. Back up to verse 6. The priest shall take the cedar wood right. and hyssop, hyssop and scarlet yarn and throw them into the fire burning the heifer. So this ash that they're collecting for purification uh, reasons has cedar, it has hyssop, it has uh, scarlet wool, and, the, and it goes into this burned red heifer in, until it becomes ash. Then they take the ash out and they put it in a clean place and they use that for the purification process. So, uh, use it to wash in. Yes. Any, any time that anyone goes into these quarantines, it's usually on the third day of the quarantine, they wash with it. And then on the seventh day, they wash with it as well. So, um, the, th- the interesting thing to note is that cedar is the ash of cedar is basically what you would use to begin in making lye soap. So th- there's, 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 uh, you're making soap and there's wool in this. There's a scarlet wool that, that they put into it. Well, the wool is fibrous and so it sticks to the skin whenever it's in this ashy, putty, type of substance so the point is when you're washing with this that those fibers don't come off like in the first second or so of your scrubbing so you have to keep scrubbing to get all the fibers out right so it's in ensuring that we do a 20 second scrub a 20 second scrub at least with (laughs) soap Yes. Soap, water, and 20-second scrub is prescribed. <laughs> right. And the, and the second element to the, yes. to the ashes of the red heifer yes, go ahead. is that technically it increases the pH of the water. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of the ways, there are several ways that you can kill bacteria. One is to alter its, uh, its reproductive process, and there are several uh, antimicrobial uh, uh, solutions that take that do that, but the way that's most common is to alter the pH of the of the water. If it stays around, now bacteria can stand for it to be acidic for the pH to drop, mm-hmm. but it can't stand very much for it to be increased and become alkaline. So they were not only cleaning with soap in a twenty second scrub, but they were also using a solution that that uh, was alkaline in nature wow. that would actually kill bacteria so they were using an antimicrobial yeah. uh, scrub it was purell yes it was purell <laughs> so the, so here's the thing that gets me about this okay so this is like you like we've been saying 3400 30, years ago right. now people didn't get the clue like hospitals this wasn't the practice like now it's the practice yes. to, to 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 scrub but up until it wasn't 150 years ago it was different yeah oh, like um, so let's go back to uh, the mid 1800s right louis pasteur it w- d- discovered germs and how germs are, are transmitted and he actually did this through uh, the fermentation of wine, like his examination of germs in in the fermentation process and in milk. So wine gave us something good? Yeah, wine and milk. <laughs> well, wine, wine is good. Yes, wine is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, uh, but that happened around 1865 or so. Now, prior to this, there was a guy by the name of uh, 
I have to look his I have to look at his name here because I never can pronounce it right. It's uh, Doctor Ignis Simmelweis um, in in Europe, and he was a gynecologist, and he was um, troubled with the fact that at the time when women would come in and, and have their children, uh, there was an eighteen percent mortality rate. So eighteen um, percent of the women that would come in to have babies would die on the bed. And they called this childbed fever. That's how they would diagnose it. They were like, oh, well, she died of childbed fever. And then they would autops, do the autopsies, and they'd be like, okay, the woman died of childbed fever. And um, they just chalked that up as an, uh, a part of life. And hospitals all over Europe, same thing. All the numbers were the same. And the, one of the, th- the, the descriptions was this whole miasma thing. Well, it must be a miasma about the room or whatever. But uh, this Simmelweis didn't buy into this. So he started examining their practices. And just like every business or every everybody, we have patterns that we do on a regular basis. And Simmelweis noticed that the pattern of the hospital was they would do all these autopsies in the morning. And what really made him think about this was one of the doctors of the hospital was doing an autopsy on one of the women that had died of childbed fever. He cut his finger on accident with a, with a scalpel, but it wasn't a bad injury, and so he didn't think much of it or, <clears throat> or anything like that. Two weeks later, that doctor's dead and so they, of an infection. And so they do the autopsy on that doctor and find out, oh, it's childbed fever. <laughs> How did the doctor die of childbed fever? He's not giving birth. So this is what raised the red flag for Semmelweis, and he was like, okay, well, what are we doing wrong here? And... All these autopsies. So he, so he did some epidemiology. Yeah. Some studying what was causing it. Yes. And so it was like, okay, um, we're, we're, autops- we're doing all our autopsies in the morning. And then when the doctors are through with their autopsies, they're washing their hands, they're toweling off, and then they're going and examining women for their regular appointments. So, so uh, what's happening here is the washing practice. They would all wash their hands in the same bowl. And it was same towel. dirty water, and they'd all use the same towel. Right. They never changed the sheets in the beds, so it didn't matter if a woman died in the bed or not. They would reuse those sheets. And uh, so this practice, what was happening was these doctors were examining these, these infected women, and then they were going in and doing uh, exams. cervical exams and stuff with germs on them from the dead bodies. What did we learn from the Old Testament about dead bodies? Right. <laughs> so, they, so they're passing this on to the women there. And uh, he said, well, why don't we change our practice? Everyone wash with their own wash basin. Everybody wash with clean linens. Every time a woman dies, we'll strip the sheets and either destroy them or make sure that they're sterilized before they're used again. And the, death, the childbed death rate dropped. For physician-delivered Yes, it, it, it dropped from 18% to like 6 Like it fell drastically. Right. The but, other thing that he had noticed was that uh, none, of the, <clears throat> none of the women who were delivered by midwives uh, were dying at the rate that <laughs> the were being doctors, delivered by doctors. Right. Because the midwives weren't doing autopsies. Right, right. So it's like it's it, so even though he didn't know that this is germs that are being passed around, he at least was intuitive enough to say it has to do with our practice and not some miasma that's over the hospital. Right. 
Now, the, the bad thing is it wasn't until after his death he even got credit for this. He was actually discredited for this because he was accusing the doctors for killing these women. Right. That's how it was seen. Wow. So, uh, and they were. Yeah. And so, and so uh, you know, he never was. Of course, 10, 15 years later, Louis Pasteur is like germs. That's what it is, germs. Yeah. And, and he was, and of course, Leeuwenhoek, who developed the microscope. Yes. Which, which is a segue into leprosy. Okay, let's do it. Okay, because I want to <laughs> just briefly talk about leprosy because... Uh, Surat or the actual leprosy disease? The, uh, the leprosy disease. Okay. Um, because uh, Han- it's not called leprosy anymore. It's called Hansen's disease because Hansen's okay. the one who used one of Leeuwenhoek's microscopes and he identified the bacterium, Mycobacterium uh, uh, leprae, which is, uh, is a very slow acting bacteria. Um, the, uh, if you look up uh, how uh, leprosy is actually transmitted, guess how, guess how it's transmitted? Through coughing and sneezing, mm. other people inhale and they absorb the uh, Mycobacterium uh, uh, leprae and uh, uh, that's, that's how they get it. The, the problem with leprosy is, the good news and bad, there's like a good news, bad news about leprosy. The first thing is it's a very slow working uh, bacterium. Right. Okay, and it's, it, you have to be around somebody who's got it for quite an extended period of time, not like COVID-19, where just a brief encounter and a rapid progression. By rapid, I mean two weeks, okay? We'll just say two weeks, although some people show symptoms much sooner. Leprosy could take up to 20 years to actually show symptoms. Oh, wow. Now, uh, the reason it's important is because God knew how long the children of Israel were going to be in the wilderness. It was going to be a long, long time. And if it was allowed to go unchecked and everybody everybody started uh, uh, being subjected being subjected to uh, to that bacterium, then it was going to it would des- it was going to destroy one and a half million people. Even though it took a long time to manifest itself, so he started he what he did one of those Barney Fife things. Okay, let's nip it in the bud. Okay, we're going <laughs> to nip it in the bud. When you see a tiny spot, okay, mm-hmm. you go to the priest. He identifies using the. The uh, identifiers that uh, Jeremiah's read from Leviticus, using those sure. identifiers about what it looks like, okay, and he makes a determination. You know, even today with, with highly trained physicians, it's kind of a crapshoot mm-hmm. whether or not they get the diagnosis right. Well, let's throw some antibiotics at it. It might be this or it might be a virus. Who knows? Right. And so they're not always, you know, 100% on. So... Uh, the priest says, well, it kind of looks like leprosy, and they put the guy in, in seven days of isolation outside the camp, look at him seven days later to make a more definitive diagnosis. But uh, here's the thing about this time lag thing. In the 1700s, late 1700s to the mid-1800s, leprosy was a big killer in Europe. It was a mm-hmm. huge killer in Europe, and they didn't know how it was transmitted. In the 1800s, they didn't even know it was transmitted from person to person. And, wow. And, they still, and there's still some debate about how exactly it is passed from one person to the next person, but they believe it's through sneezing and coughing, and you breathe in or aspirate yeah. those, uh, that... that, uh, that uh, um, 
that germ, and then it takes, it takes hold of your body, and then it affects the nerve endings, and parts of your body fall off. But it doesn't do it overnight. It doesn't happen in two weeks. Yeah. It's, a, it's a slow progressing. But it shows us that, God, that, that uh, they didn't even know in the 1800s uh, how insidious and, how, and what actually caused it. What, and, and not only that, how to eradicate it. So... Uh, okay, I wish Jacob was here because uh, this would be fall right into his, right into his uh, uh, right into his barn. Okay, <laughs> because uh, when we were talking about the Middle Ages and, and we were talking about that time frame when uh, leprosy was running wild, uh, they the, all the physicians threw up their hands and walked away, and the church started instituting the law of Moses. Mm. They started quarantining. They started isolating. They started uh, wow. making definitive. The church, in, in especially the, in the Dutch region, yeah. did that. And they saw, okay, they saw the infection rate drop almost over the period of a couple of years, five years, six years, seven years, the infection rate with leprosy began to fall off into a valley. But they didn't, the country didn't know what it was that had actually stopped it. So they thought, well, it's just gone. It's run its course. And so the church started, stopped exercising uh, their their practice of the isolation and uh, separation rules and regulations of the law of Moses, and it came back. Wow! Second curve. Second, yeah, second peak. <laughs> it was a second curve, and so um, that's uh, it's it's amazing to me because I mean, if you can't see the hand of God just scribbled all over this, you know, right. it's like it's like yeah, he was. He said, I can tell you how I can keep you alive. I'll, separate, I'll, I'll spare you all those diseases if you just follow my instructions, okay? <laughs> yep, so wow. good. So, uh, so there's, there's, there's obvious um, all kinds of backing that God taught this to the Israelites. Moses uh, preached it to them. They practiced it. In fact, we see examples all throughout, even the New Testament, of lepers showing up, and we see how people react to them. This created... Weren't they supposed to yell, unclean, unclean? Yes. I mean, if that's not social distancing, what is, right? <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, just like we were watching uh, The Chosen the other night. Right. And there's there. the healing of the leper there, and they were like, don't get near him, don't touch him. And Didn't, didn't they say, don't breathe his air? Don't breathe around him. I don't know, <laughs> but maybe I, I'm wrong. But but it, but they definitely they definitely had this fear yes. of them. And um, as a rabbi, you would never touch an unclean person like this because that makes you unclean. You can't serve in the temple now. And of course, Jesus healing the man touches him, and there's there's just a, a power in that that he yes. he stepped past all of those social norms compassion yes and, yes. That, and that's one of the things i wanted to point out we uh we understand that we're not we're not saying that the law there there's a purpose to the law and we don't want to miss out on that the purpose of the law is to show us uh, the need for a savior right, right. Mm-hmm. the problem with covid19 and the problem with all sickness and all pain and all suffering stem from one Sin. one root cause. Sin. Sin. That's right. And the picture is, it's always going to be, the picture is we need a savior. Mm-hmm. We need something 
that'll make us clean, right? And that's the whole message between unclean and clean. And so it, although we look in here and we see all the wisdom, we understand that Christ, the story is, is always Christ makes us clean. Now, having said that, we still live in a fallen world where we are still susceptible to sin and death and pain and yep. suffering. And it is foolishness uh, to not be wise in living in this world. And whenever we hear we need to social distance from our medical professionals, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, right? But of wisdom. We need to be right. wise in that. We need to listen to them because God has given them to us and we need to obey them, right? Having no fear of death because death is just a doorway to, to everlasting life. Yeah. But, but, uh, but as lovers of life, that's right. It, it is. It is our calling. It is especially as pastors to yes. to care for our flock, to yeah. to cherish life, to yeah. help give life and give life abundantly because that's what Jesus does for us. So, uh, if you have people, this particular thing has uh, a certain demographics that are more susceptible to the infection than other demographics. And so it's very important for us who are in that lower demographic to be concerned about those that are in the higher risk demographic. And, yeah. and so especially if we are making decisions for the congregation, whether that's meeting or whether that's doing any other uh, event or, or, or thing that puts people at risk, we've really got to take thought about that. And, and make sure that we're not just being cavalier and saying, oh, well, hey, we'll just put all this in God's hands. He's got it and just go about our business um, no. because he's called us into a position to make decisions and, <laughs> and make them wisely. So, right. um, so yeah. Man. So I think that, that, you know, this demonstrates that, A, this is a biblical practice. It's not, it's right. not, it's not uncommon. In fact, it far, uh, it far preceded modern medicine in its effectiveness um, yeah. and in its wisdom. And so social distancing is not a new thing. <laughs> it was actually instituted by God at this, in what long before doctors were doing it. Right. Um, and so in this day and age, and we're having to, it's being imposed on us and we're having a, to do all this type of thing, I think that um, one of the things that we need to to consider is whether or not this is a wise choice or not. We need to make sure that we understand that it's not uh, unwise for us to look at the examples of Scripture and to um, not go under the old law, but to see right. the wisdom that's behind it that's and, right. and employ that wisdom. So, Whew, any more thoughts? On that, Michael? oh yeah, what Jeremiah <laughs> says just uh, it was so spot on. Because the last thing in the world you you would think of when when you're reading all the way through uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, where it's all restated again, is that the way you take something that's filthy to make it clean is to sprinkle blood on it. You know, and that just doesn't make doesn't make sense until you look at Jesus. Okay, mm, and yes. then Jesus, uh, yes. he def he's it's like. Here's the dictionary. Okay, look it up. <laughs> and when you look up blood, and it's his name's by it, and it, you know that that's, that's, that's the way it happens. Yes. Yep. 
It's a picture. It's yep. a, it's it's a picture that God's been painting since the beginning of time. So, all right. Well, do you have any news for us, Jeremiah? I do. If you want to, do we have enough time for news? Yeah, we got a little bit of time. So let me right. let me spin up your. Um, All right, so the first thing I have, and they're all COVID-related, of course, because, I mean, that's all that the news is talking about right now. (laughs) But uh, a Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested for holding services during COVID-19 lockdown. Um, Police warned Rodney Howard Brown, a pastor of River at Tampa Bay Church, about the dangers of holding Sunday Sunday services at his Florida megachurch, but he defied the self-distancing guidelines held two large services. Now, we're not talking about a small church gathering. We're talking about a mega church. Um, uh, And even had people bust in. He's been arrested on misdemeanor charges of unlawful assembly and violating quarantine orders during a public health emergency. Uh, The country has ordered all gatherings, including those of religious nature, be limited to 10 or fewer participants in an attempt to stop the spread. it's punishable up to 60 days in jail and a maximum fine of $500 or both. Um, he's saying in a press conference, uh, he argued that uh, um, basically that, that, that people were persecuting the church over this, right? And he was being persecuted. And so right now he's... I, I don't know of the I don't know of an update, but that was that was on the thirtieth. So uh, there, you might, there, there might, has been one update on that. Has there? Yeah, the the governor has put in a uh, Florida uh, has put in a um, um, shelter in place order and and said that religious gatherings were exempt. So I, I was going to I was going to look into that a little further. I saw, and I heard that I listened to a radio station out of Fort Lauderdale. So oh yeah. Yeah, and because uh, I used to live there, and it's uh, it's interesting that uh, he's catching the governor's catching some flack because he essentially didn't he didn't say they were exempt he didn't say they were bound by it uh. <laughs> so it was that legalese yeah so he, uh. he may have caved the governor may have caved in yeah might have. Um, but, but I don't know that I'd want to be there Sunday morning. <laughs> Here's a sweet story, although it's sad. Uh, Italy has been, of course, the hardest hit European city, uh, or European nation, sorry, with 63,000 confirmed cases, uh, 6,000 deaths, right? Um, among the recently deceased is Friar Don Giuseppe Boradelli. I, said that, <laughs> I hope I said that. Boradelli. He was a 72-year-old priest, uh, and the reason I I bring him up is because um, because of the shortage, his parishioners all pulled their resources, and they bought him a respirator, and he took that respirator, and he gave it to a younger patient that he didn't know Mm. and died. Wow. So, yeah, it was just a beautiful picture of, you know, self-sacrifice. he was 72 years old and, and passed away from COVID, serving others as he as he uh, as he did so. So that's a kind of a positive yeah, one. That's good. Another positive one that cracks me up is a Texas church is going to host an Easter egg hunt. 
online through, through Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Tate Springs cool. Baptist Church of Arlington is holding an Easter egg scavenger hunt on a customized Minecraft game for, on Easter Sunday, uh, which I, I think is they're so awesome. Jared Will Wellman, the lead pastor of Tate Springs, told the Christian Post that the digital Easter egg hunt event came as a way to better engage younger children with the church's online services. He said, I noticed that we've moved to online streaming services that the uh, content is not necessarily engaging for younger kids. I thought we need to engage kids somehow, especially on Easter. Of course, that's difficult with the traditional egg hunt, which we were going to offer. So he talked to his team and he said, our ultimate goal in all we do is to show and share the message of Jesus as a church holding a virtual egg hunt for the purpose of holding a virtual egg hunt would be no different <laughs> than just asking kids to play a video game. And that's not why we, this is a, so we created a sign up form for the event to gather email addresses so we can do our best to follow up on the participants um, to make sure they get access not only to the private service, service on Easter, but uh, to the explicit mes uh, message of the resurrection of Jesus. So, <laughs> hey, I think that's really the cool. It's <laughs> pretty cool. smart. Yeah. And then I've got uh, some Pope news. Oh, do you do have you? oh, I do. Hang on. <laughs> All right, so the Pope seems to be taking a page out of the Protestant playbook, <laughs> and he announced that if they don't have a priest available during the virus pandemic, that they can confess their sins directly to God. Wow. It's revolutionary. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Francis, in saying uh, that general absolution of sin, confessing directly to God, as opposed to through a priest, applies during the world worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. God's making an that exception for COVID. <laughs> yeah. uh, a Vatican tribunal that deals with matters of conscience, including confession, called the Apostolic Pen uh Penitentiary, sorry, pen, no, penitentiary, whatever, issued a notice Friday stating that though absolution of sin is the usual means through which sins are forgiven by a priest, in times of grave necessity, such as now <laughs> with the ongoings for the virus, other solutions are needed. According to the Catholic Herald, confession is considered a sacrament in the Catholic Church. What qualifies as grave necessity has generally been determined by local bishops. Uh, the outlet noted, yet in the 1980s and 90s, Rome has urged adherence to stricter definition. The apostolic military holds that, especially in places uh, most impacted by the pandemic, congregation, and all the other phenomena. Uh, phenomenon subsides, there are cases of grave necessity, thus yielding the conditions of general absolution, the notice reads. <laughs> this is the best. In a mass celebrated Friday that was live streamed from Rome, Pope Francis said people who cannot manage, they go to confession as a result of being locked down because of the coronavirus or another serious issue can confess directly to God. Wow. Well, there you go. That's a good thing. <laughs> and then he went outside. And there are pictures of him doing this. He's uh, doing a uh, confessional absolution with his 
Pope Cross, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I absolve you. Exactly. He's like zombie the whole world. Yeah, I'm doing this in advance. Send in your absolution indulgence. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Anyways, so we're all absolved. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's mm. awesome. All righty. You have more? That's all. That's all I got, man. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> Mike, thanks for being here, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks for sitting in. We really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was great. We'll have to have you Good on to see again. You, Jeremiah. <laughs> we need we need you more often, Mike. I tell you, you're an interesting feller. So uh, we we definitely got to have you. Uh, that's, because, as, that's because I'm in the high risk group. Yeah. <laughs> You're the very. Oh, be careful, guys. Both of you are kind of, you know, you're you're at that. Okay, watch yourself. What is it? A month away? Don't even worry about it. Just go on. (laughs) You know what my biggest worry about it is? I was planning on jumping out of an airplane. You still can. And I don't know that like right now, uh, Skydive Dallas is closed down for at least you know uh, April. So hijack. Oh my gosh! Yeah, take me Don't up. Give ideas, take me up to five thousand feet and open yeah, the door. Yeah. <laughs> How hard can That's, it be? Like this is the safest thing ever. <laughs> right. Oh so, man. You know this whole yeah. this whole uh, coronavirus thing may have been the plan of God to keep David off. off hey, <laughs> out of the air. <laughs> I, I bet Melanie would have something to say about that. Actually, she doesn't mind it. Like I, I don't oh, know. Yeah? She hasn't. Well, she hasn't fought me about it. She fought me more about the tattoo than she did this. <laughs> that was did last you, year's. Did you get your t- t- uh, trampoline? No, I didn't get the trampoline. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm sure I will get one sooner or later because I'm really jonesing uh-huh. for one. <laughs> it's good plyometrics, um, man. It's good mm-hmm. good exercise. Will, will jump our house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you know, one thing I don't like about. Yeah, one thing I don't like about the new trampolines is they all come with this cage around it now. A risk-free trampoline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, we I don't have one that was, when I was a kid. I don't we want just, that on there. I hated falling on. We didn't even have the pad around the uh, oh, yeah, springs. Me either. Man, I fell through one of those a couple times. Yeah, there's nothing like catching a spring right where uh, the good Lord split you, right? Yeah. yeah. Show yourself to the priest. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. All right. You ready, you ready to get out of here? All right. Uh, let, let me pull up the script here. Okay, here we go. You should have had that ready already. I kind of did. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. Find out more. Go to gctnetwork.com. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. Follow us on Instagram at theonauts or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. If you like us and want more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. 
And don't forget to wash your hands for 20 seconds, social distance up to six feet, and tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks, brother. Uh, thank you, guys. Right. Love y'all. Thanks, Mike. This Take care. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it!